Welcome, my friends. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, March 16th. We are here live. It is a free-for-all. I'll be here for the next two hours or until we run out of calls, whichever may happen first. We'll follow up with Rolling Toe. Mike and Kevin Beckett will be here at 10 a.m. Pacific time to take all of your calls and questions about tires, wheels, alignments, all of that fun stuff. I'm going to open the phone lines right now. Jump in and join me. We'll get to your calls and questions as soon as they start coming in. It is a free-for-all. If you've got a question, a comment, a topic, anything goes, pick up the phone and join us. 855-950-3835 is the number. All right, a uh, couple things going on in the economy and the world, actually. Uh, a lot of things that are concerning to me. Uh, one of them just happened. The um, Russian fighter jets taking down the drone. That's a really bad sign right now. Uh, this whole Ukraine mess we're in that we shouldn't be in um, is leading us to a real hot war with Russia. If we're not careful, and it may be too late. This is Russia getting aggressive. And what do we do? We can't back down. We should have never been there in the first place, but uh, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. The bank issue is another really uh, bad sign right now. The um, You know, I keep hearing a lot of people say, well, it, it's similar to 2008, but it's not 2008, and, and they're correct. It's not 2008. That doesn't mean it's not bad. In fact, I almost wish it was more like 2008 because we'd know what was coming. We really don't know what's coming here. But this is a bad sign based on where we've been and where we've been heading. And a lot of other signs, when you start to combine them, this is not looking good for the economy. But it's, it is starting to sound a lot like 2008. I can remember waking up and hearing about the run on the banks and the banks collapsing and too big to fail and we're going to bail them out. And what happened after that was one of the, uh, the worst recessions we've had since the Depression and one of the slowest recoveries ever. This one looks like it could potentially be worse. We've been talking about it for a while. We actually started pointing out some of these signs in 2017. What changed a lot of things was COVID in 2020. It gave the government an excuse to spend trillions of dollars, which really couldn't have come at a worse time. Uh, it stimulated an economy that should have been already heading into a downturn. And it is really hard to predict where we're going to go right now. You know, the problem that we face, I've heard some people say, well, this may be a good thing because it will force the Fed to stop raising interest rates. And it might, or it might not, but I don't think that matters. I don't think that's the issue here. 
we we have gotten to a place in this economy. How many of you have ever been in a truck? I, I'm, I'm thinking both before anti-lock brakes and after. Anti-lock brakes were a, were a huge improvement, no doubt. But there is still a time when you're on a slick enough surface, usually ice, where even the anti-lock brakes can't save you. It's kind of what's going on with this economy right now. You have rampant inflation that was really high, started to come down a little bit each month, which was at least a good trend until just recently. And now that trend has reversed. We saw inflation inch back up again. That's the scary part. If inflation would keep coming down, we might be able to wait this out and not keep raising rates. But it's like being on ice raise rates or don't raise rates, put on the brakes or don't put on the brakes, it's not going to matter. If you you put on the brakes, but you can't stop, which is what's going to happen to this economy, putting on the brakes, raising the interest rates isn't working. But if you don't do it, that has consequences as well. There's going to be a crash. There comes a point where you say, it doesn't matter whether I press on the brakes harder or let off the brakes. I'm going to crash. I know it. I see it coming. That's where we are in this economy. So the Fed could stop raising interest rates. I don't think it will matter. If they they do that, inflation will continue to run rampant. If they don't, then we'll see other negative consequences. Either way, there's going to be a crash. I just hope you're prepared. All right. We, um, I had a bunch of other things I was going to talk about. But I see the phone lines are starting to fill up, so we're going to get to the calls. We're going to start off today in Texas. Fred, welcome to the program. Oh, hold on one second. We've got an audio issue. Let's uh, try that again. How about now? There we go. Hello? Did you hear me? You're there. I lost you now. Now I got you. Now I got you. There you go. Go ahead. Okay. Uh... Before I comment on your open, which I do want to, uh, yesterday, after I called in, you had a caller, one or two behind me, Dwight in Texas, who was dealing with stress, and you had said something about the physical protocol to start doing for him? Yes. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to call back, actually, to give Dwight some hope here, because remember about a week or so ago, I was struggling with my numbers? Yes. Getting them above. Yeah. Well, I really buckled down, and over last weekend, I had a couple of body batteries in the 90s, and oh, HRV nice. up to, what, to 35. Nice. So, and that was, really, that was really the stress protocol. I pushed myself harder than I wanted to. And just, like you said, being uncomfortable. And I think that put me over the edge. Now, it's, it's kind of slid down a slight bit because of my sleep the last couple of days, but not, not drastically. I'm still, I'm still, like today, I'm 73 and um, I'm 33 on my HRV. So Good. it slid Good. back a slight bit, but not, not bad. Not bad. I uh, just wanted to give you know, that out there for Dwight, if he's listening, um, yeah. that, yeah, the protocol does work. Does there work. There you go. I was in the I was in the forties before that. Yeah, and couldn't get out of the forties. So um, that's that's something. Yeah, that's something to put out there. Uh, on this banking crisis that we're we're, I believe this is the black swan event that no one looked for. Um, <clears throat> you know, we we talked about 
bull markets, you know, get, you know, they, uh, something has to happen for a bull market to stop. And I think right. this is the actual thing that's, that's going to happen. So there's a couple other things I'd like to add that people um, may or may not be paying attention to. And I got uh, kind of like in, entrenched in this, you know, when I can to listen to the business channels. Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, commercial real estate failures here because through COVID, all the remote workers are not coming back and these buildings are not going to be able to be full, fill full with, uh, with, with, with tenants. And that's so, going to hurt the bottom line on the realty market. Yeah. So let's throw so in another big factor there. We, we started talking about the commercial <clears throat> real estate right at the beginning of the close downs and people working at home. And we said this will right. accelerate the trend. There's another factor that's happening right now. These big tech companies and phone companies and a lot of companies that use a lot of office space are announcing massive layoffs. Another 10,000 right. at Facebook. Those people yeah. were using office space as well. So there, there's a, it's a right. double whammy on commercial office space right now. <clears throat> And there's See, well, another here's, thing here's, that's happening. Let's think about something yeah. else. Elon Musk bought Twitter, and I, they throw around a couple of different numbers, but he eliminated, I think, about 80% of the staff. And Twitter's yeah. operating better than ever. So we also know that and these tech companies were making so much money that they were just totally right. bloated. And they'll start laying off people and getting rid of office space. Right. And I think the median income at, at Twitter was like 90 grand, yep. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Where do you replace that with no real skills? Right. Right. So, you know, but another thing <clears throat> I heard at, uh, a market analyst, a uh, woman, Stephanie Pomboy, who's really been had her finger on the pulse here the last six to eight months about the oncoming catastrophe we're, we're coming into here with the banks. She didn't say the banks specifically, but she pointed out that the, uh, the, the hard money lenders that, that finance a lot of these t startups, because of the low interest rates that the Fed and the government has been pushing down artificially between, you know, everyone, I got a 3% mortgage, you know, all this, all this low, this cheap money out there. Uh, there's over a trillion dollars of hard money assets that were that were lent out between three and four percent that has to be re refinanced, and they're going to be in the eight and nine percent financial. Uh, that's what the that's what the market's going to give them back. So they're doubling their cost in this market, and there's a trillion dollars this year, next year, and the year after. And 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 so you're going to see a lot of failures here, a lot of failures and, and throughout the glo the global economy, let alone the United States economy, tech and and whatever else. Uh, we're going to see a lot of carnage out there. Yes, we are, it, and it, it you still hear economists on TV, the talking heads think it's it's just going to be a little blip. It's not a big deal. I, that just doesn't seem to be the case. All the signs seem yeah. to be pointing to a couple of really rough years. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I, I really think you're right. And I, I think if you don't have your ducks in order, you know, not that it's too late, but just 
try to start really getting your numbers down and figuring out where you need to be and try to do your best in the upcoming markets to keep your head above water. Yeah. Yeah, both the, if, if you've got a business, you've got to think about those numbers and then everybody has to think about their personal numbers and expenses and it's just, I don't know where it's going to go, where we're going to end up, but it, I think we're there. I just don't think there's any way to avoid uh, the bottom this time. Yeah, and I really don't want to be doom and gloom here. I, you know, I, I'm, you know, like, I, I heard a, a gentleman say this morning on, on the business channel, even if, like you said, even if they cut rates, I'm sorry, it was a, a woman, uh, Nancy Lazar. She said they cannot cut rates because that's going to stimulate inflation. Right. So the Fed is not going to cut rates. They're not going to cut rates. They, they may start injecting some liquidity, uh, opening up some of, the, some of the money that they're trying to take out of the market or stop that. But she doesn't think that they're going to stop raising rates. No, I don't think so, so either. This, I, I, this, yeah. Maybe, maybe they pause this time or maybe not. Who knows? I mean, what, if they come back yeah. with a, a half point increase, which isn't out of the question, I, I don't think they would. Right. But if they do, that will. So here, here are the options. Like you, she said, I don't think anybody thinks they would ever cut the rate. That's not even an option. The three options seem to be. <laughs> Do there not. are a couple of guys out there saying it, Kevin. Really? Wow. That just Yeah. There's a guy Larry there's a guy Larry McDonald who has their their report, their trap report. Really? And he's thinking they he's thinking they probably either go twenty five twenty five basis points right now, which is quarter percent, and then they're gonna pause and possibly cut by July. No, nah, I don't see it. And this this time around, I, I think the three options are do nothing, raise it a quarter, or raise it a half. And I think that half is a real long shot. I think it's either they'll do nothing or they'll raise it a quarter. And if I had to bet, I'm going to say they're going to raise it a quarter. They, they, yeah, they, I, we're, I we're think still I'm in not, we, we never made it to the point where the interest rate matches the inflation rate. And that's the goal. That's kind of the equilibrium they were trying to get to. You just can't do it too fast. And some people are claiming they've already done it too fast. But we didn't get there. Yeah. The inflation rate, and, and now the inflation rate has turned back up. See, it was on its way down every yeah. month. The rates, interest rates were on their way up every time the feds met. And we were waiting for them to meet. Well, they didn't meet, and now the interest rate has turned back up. So they have to keep yep. cutting the interest rate. The inflation rate has turned back yep. up, and because of that, they inflation have rate. to keep cutting the interest rate or raising it. I yeah, mean. they have to bring, they have to right. bring it up. Yeah, yeah. raising it. Up. They, yep. They've, they've yep. got to bring those two yeah. into equilibrium. And if they were to cut the interest rate, then inflation will take off again. Right, right. So... <laughs> I don't know. Does it feel like there is just so much coming at the public and all at once? It seems to be a little overwhelming here. A little? With- that, that, <laughs> a little? <laughs> well, you know, I just, I just never, I was thinking about this last night. I, I've never, I, I'm 55 in June and I've never seen it. So, so much push in every direction against the public at one time. 
The the only thing I can vaguely remember, I was just too young to really understand, but I, I was pretty well involved with it and surrounded by it. The you know, late 60s, early 70s with Vietnam. The country was really, okay. really torn. Uh, you know, and I, yeah. when I say I was involved with it, I had two brothers that were in Vietnam. Both of them made it home. I had a cousin in Vietnam who did not make it home. And I lived right. 10 minutes away from a Kent State University, the song Four Dead in Ohio, when they, the National yep. Guard actually yep. shot and killed students on a campus during a protest. Yes. The, the country yep. was a mess. Uh, we, had, we had a lot of race riots still at the time. We had the, the war protest. It, it was really, you know, I, again, I was young, but it seems like there was a lot of desperation and not a lot of hope. It was like, where do we go from here? How do we ever get past this divide, this split? And somehow we did. You know, the, the 70s yeah. thing started to turn up. Then we had the, the downturn with, uh, with Carter in the, the early 80s. But then we had Reagan. And, and what a change. Yep. And, you know, whether you believe Reagan did it or not doesn't matter. But there was an absolute change. Um, the 80s became the decade of excess. Every, there was money. Everybody was doing great. There was growth again. People were happy. Yep. Uh, so it, it, it kind of feels like we're there again, like how we're so divided. How do we get past this? Yeah. And so all I can do is kind of think back to that time. And I don't know what, what brought us. And it wasn't that we, we everybody agreed on everything, not even close. But we were much right. more unified as a country than we are now. And we were a whole lot happier. There, there's really, I, yeah. I hate to be you know, Mr. Negative, that's not me, but man, it's hard to look around right now and find something to be positive about. Well, you know, I, I've been thinking, I, I'm not just talking about the, the divide uh, partisanship and how they're dividing us with every, with every way and shape they can. I'm talking about just the, the, the everything that they're doing that is just stoked by policies by bureaucratic and, and, and administration policies, you know, between the border crisis, the, the, the violence out there, the, you know, the, the, the mass, you know, the quiet quitting, all of this stuff that's happening in our system. How about it just seems about, like there's, there's over, so much more going on right now negatively. I, over a hundred trillion dollars and all kinds of weapons and munitions and everything else going to Ukraine. Most people don't even well, know where I, the I hell Ukraine is. I want to touch on that is. also. And well, I'm, wait, I want to touch on that. I, I saw... Hold on. I, I saw, Before you touch ahead, on it, let ahead. me finish that thought. All of that money and munitions, all of the armament, munitions, planes, tanks, trucks, helicopters left in Afghanistan. Our military is a yep. mess right now, and we decided to pick a fight with Russia through Ukraine, and now we have Russian jets taking down one of our drones, and now Russia is out yep. there saying, we're, not only did we take it down, we're going to recover it, so Russia's going to have our drone technology, uh, and we're yep. you know, also picking a fight with China over Taiwan. What a mess. Yes. Yes. Well, 
I saw uh, he was an administration. Uh, he was in the DNI's office. He was, uh, but he was in counterterrorism first. Uh, Cash Patel. He's an intelligence guy. Yeah. He was in. Uh, he was in the Trump administration. So I was Saturday. I was around the, you know, cleaning, doing the stuff around the house. I had Fox on in the background, and I had Neil Cavuto was on in the midday Saturday, and he had him on. And I, I don't really watch Neil Cavuto, but it was just kind of background noise. And Cash Patel said something pretty, pretty uh, troubling. That the whole money, they want to have accountability for the money and weapons that go over there. There is no way to have accountability for this because they have no banking system like Iran. They send, they're sending pallets of cash over there. Pallets of cash money when they give them aid. Pallets of cash money. Yeah, it's insane. It, uh, you know, how, it, it again, how, where do you go from there? That's just one issue like you said we we could just keep going on all the damn train derailments the food shortages yes. the the fires right. the it it's it never ends the the ridiculous southern border did you see that bridge that they rushed in i think it was el paso yes. El Paso, yep. And they were trying to do it with three more three more of the bridges they said yeah. right they tried to do the same thing yeah. I, yeah. I, like you said, it, it so, just never seems to end. And then there's just one more thing. We're still fighting over yeah. COVID and masks and vaccinations. And I, I, at some point you think, where does this end? Well, that's another thing. I, I, I posted a little rant on the tribe. Uh, Eco Health has been double and triple billing the government for the same research and getting yeah. paid for it. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's. I mean, this is. You can't keep this up is with just it. Craziness, all. It, right? You can't keep up. I know. With it all. That's what I mean. It, I, just, I am, it, it hurts your head. It's. It's. Yeah. It, and with me right now, I. I feel like I'm getting a triple whammy. I don't want to be negative, and I don't want to come on here and complain all the time. But with all the biohacking I've been doing and travel, and you know, trying to finish up some projects and pushing and. Then just all of the bad news everywhere and trying to stay on top of it. I'm just, I'm burnt out. I need a break. I, I really would love to just take two weeks away from everything. Um, but I just, we're, we're not at a place right. in the company that I can do that right now. I mean, we're not in a place with the show right yeah. now that I can do that. Right, right. No, I understand that. Another thing uh, on, I guess, a little bit of a lighter note, do you see that they're all coming out now against keto and how it's going to oh, yeah. raise your cholesterol? And <laughs> yeah, well, I heard I heard it on I heard a doctor debunking this. I mean, uh, going with this narrative on uh, on a morning show on Fox Business uh, last week. They are. And I said, "What the hell's pathetic. going on?" Pathetic. It's it's pathetic, is what it is. It it is, you know, carnivore <laughs> and and keto and paleo they are not fads there some version of them will be with us forever now uh, the more people that do it the healthier will become and yet there's this huge push toward plant-based everything and even the whole insect thing and i just saw it we were just at a food show there are food products out there with insects already they're on the market Everything at this show was plant-based this, powered by plants this. It, it, 
We, you should have seen us when we found a booth with meat. We like mauled the place. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you're going to a food show. So you think, well, I'm not going to eat before I go to a food show. Because you're going there to sample. We're going there to look for new products. But I'm walking around starving and they're giving, they're pushing food on people everywhere. Here, no, take more samples. I've never seen a show where they give more stuff away. And, and sometimes a lot of booths were not giving away sample sizes. They were giving away full sizes of everything. And yet I'm walking around wow. starving because there was a total, honestly, there was a total of about five vendors maybe that had meat that I would eat. And, you, you know, it's not like you can stand around in front of their booth and just keep taking samples all day long. But I, I was kind of tempted <laughs> to. I was hungry. Well, this doctor had the nerve to say the ketogenic diet causes inflammation in the body. And that, that's, their, that's their buzzword now. Everybody wants to talk about inflammation, whether their, their product or their idea will lower it or something you shouldn't be doing will increase it. That's all anybody talks about anymore. Uh, and nothing yeah. could be further from the truth. Almost every diet you move to from the standard American diet lowers inflammation. The standard American diet is the most inflammatory diet in the history of the planet. So it's it's insane that they try to claim that these other approaches are inflammatory. That's it's just right. And then I have to wonder, are, are they and I don't know how else to take it. If you have a doctor today who can look at all the evidence that's around and make this claim, they're either stupid or evil. Which one is it? I don't think there's any other answer. You know, I, I, yeah, and I, I, that's what had me scratching my head because this doctor is pretty regular on Fox. And, you know, and he's not, not that I would really which, take any of Which advice, one was it? But. It was Mark Siegel. Oh, I, I, you know what? I just do not like that guy. He's a nice person. So I shouldn't say I don't like yeah. him. He's a nice guy. I get that. Yeah. But I would not take any medical advice from him. He flip-flopped right. back right. and mean, forth but, on COVID and vaccines and masks yeah. so many times. Fox had two I know. doctors. I know. That I, they had two doctors that I really liked and agreed with and two that I didn't like and and disagreed with. So um, Mark Siegel and, um, oh boy, her name, Neshawa. Was it uh, um, Neshawa? Neshawa, yeah. Yeah, Neshawa. She makes me a little crazy um, because it it seemed like she was all over the board on the COVID stuff, could never really make up her mind about any of that. She went back and forth. Those two kind of made me a little crazy. Um, Nicole Sapphire yeah. and Marty McCary, I really like. They are good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So yes. I, I, I have the same opinion you do on the, on those four. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, you know, the fact that uh, that he said some of those things doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. You know, like you said, I mean, with all the with all the data out there and all all the all the papers and and real peer-reviewed studies on, on a ketogenic diet and everything for decades. I mean, this is, this is nothing new. This came out in the 1800s, you know, right. uh, this diet. So, uh, you know, this, 
to, for him to just state complete falsities. And he was he wasn't saying keto. He was saying keto like diet. So, I, you know, this is another. So did you hear me explain the study design behind that last report? They made such a big deal about that keto increased the risk of heart attacks and blood clots. No, I didn't read that, but I, oh. yeah, what, what was that? Oh, was, that so, was that more of oh, like a, 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 a grain carbohydrate? Wait, wait a minute. There were a couple that just came out recently, and I may be getting them confused. There was the one on keto caused heart attacks and blood clots, and there was one on erythritol. They came out around the same time. The one thing we have to remember, I, I'm collecting articles now, headlines on all the things that cause heart attacks and blood clots and strokes. Is there some reason we might be looking to see why or what might be causing that? Because the numbers have gone through the roof, but it's the vaccine. We know it is. Yeah. But all of a sudden, everything yeah. else, gardening. I have one, I have a headline that claims gardening increases your risk for heart attack and stroke and blood clots. So why were we surprised when they came out and said erythritol will do it, keto will do it? Those things are popular. Keto has gotten very popular. Yep. Let's blame keto for the heart attacks. And a lot of people will believe it because they've been brainwashed to believe all that fat is going to cause you to have a heart attack or a stroke or a blood clot. So that's an easy one to go after. Exactly. The, the study design, yep. and I got to stop and think now, which was this the erythritol or the keto? I don't remember. I, I'm going to give you, I, I'm, I'm going to be off a little bit on the numbers. I'm not looking at it right in front of me. So I'm trying to remember it from memory, but the, the numbers are so ridiculous. It won't matter if I'm off a little bit. There was less than 400 people involved. The questionnaire, all it did was ask them what they ate in the last 24 hours. That's it. It was a one-time questionnaire. What did you eat in the last 24 hours? That's how they determined what type of a diet somebody was on. With a one-time wow. 24-hour questionnaire, we're talking less than 400 people. And the, the, the way that they... And again, I'm trying to remember if this was the, the keto or the erythritol. Both of them had really goofy study designs that the whole thing should have been thrown out. Neither one had been published or peer-reviewed yet. And yet the natural health world jumped all over the erythritol thing and said, oh my God, stop, stop eating erythritol. Nobody bothered to just take a step back. And look at the study. Oh, the other thing, and this was the erythritol. It was, if I remember right, it was over 20% carbohydrate. That's not a ketogenic diet. And why would we even right. be looking at whether it's erythritol or keto? It, you can't claim <clears throat> that one, the 20% the, uh, carb or 25% carb was the keto. That's not a ketogenic diet. Yeah. It, it, a, a exactly. Nobody, I don't care if you're an elite athlete, you're not going to produce ketones at 25% carbohydrate intake. Right. And that's why they framed it as a keto-like diet, not yeah. a ketogenic diet. Wait, the, wait a minute. That's like saying somebody's almost pregnant. <laughs> it's either ketogenic or it's not. There is no such thing as I a keto-like diet. You know, 
But you, this, but it, you know what it is? It, they put funny. they put the keto but in, pick, in big bold headlines, and people just say pick, it's so good. Pick every other type of diet: low fat, low calorie, paleo, carnivore. Every other diet, we could argue what the definition of that diet is. Right? It's not set in stone. Yeah. We could argue all day long. What really is the Mediterranean diet? Nobody's ever even identified what that really means. But there is right. one diet that I can identify every single time 100% accurately. It's a ketogenic diet. You're either producing ketones yep. and you're on a ketogenic diet or you're not. And also the carnivore diet. Well, you're either, well, you're we either eating argue, meat or you're not. It, true, but most of us aren't going to eat 100% carnivore. So then we start arguing, well, no, we, no, right. Do, do we right. allow sauces right. or, you know, should we allow some fruit and honey? And, you know, now we have fermented carnivore. Yeah. So, and that's how we should be approaching this. We should be trying different things. But, but when they, when they try to claim keto and it's clearly not a ketogenic diet and we can prove that one. Yes. Exactly. Uh, it's just, there's, there's so much going on in the world. And I, I you know, look, the, even those peer review studies, those medical studies, those peer review studies, they're all tainted with biases and people that are in the tank for the drug companies. It, it's awful. That's why I have made the claim. I will not debate with anybody that wants to start throwing out research papers. I don't care how many research yeah. papers you have. I don't even want to look at them anymore. It's nothing but a waste of time to try to do what I had to do with these last two studies. Go back, dig into the design. I know it's going to be bad. I know these studies are wrong. I'm 100% convinced they're wrong. And I don't want to have to go waste my time proving they're wrong anymore. But you can't trust well, anything. I mean, you... even, even the research I might want to point to and say, oh, no, look, we proved this work. But, but so what? They could have lied, too. So all I really exactly. care about anymore is just results. And, and we see incredible right. results with everything from a paleo diet on down. You know, your favorite doctor started this, Dr. Ansel Keys. Yeah. Killed more people than Hitler and Mao together. Uh, by far and continues to. And not just kill them, yes. but make them horribly unhealthy. Yeah. Yes, yeah, sick up until the day they 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 and, pass. And yep. we're we are still still being told by doctors that you can't eat all that fat; it's bad for you. I know, I know. It 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 is just it's mind-boggling how. But that's that's the that's you know. Look at the pharma. Look at look at what's going on with you know with all of these investigations now that they're finally getting some some daylight on this stuff. You know, I, I, I thought it was going to be more satisfying. I, I want to walk around all day long pointing at things and saying, see, I told you so. It's just not very satisfying. It, it, we don't seem to be resolving no. any of these things that we absolutely know they, they were wrong about. You know, I got to thinking after, you know, uh, you know I, I believe what's going on right now is that the left took control with Barack Obama and they got a lot done on their on their agenda. They, you know, and they divided us 
they, they put in place measures to take away our liberties and our freedoms. Uh, Obamacare is one of them. And, and they took, a, took away a lot. And then seeing the four years of Trump, he, not, not, not counting all the disarray and all the, all the, uh, all the, the craziness, but just the stuff that he did to try to right the ship. I think scared them so much that they're pushing so hard with Joe Biden that so, it's just the gloves are off and they're trying to get as much as they can do. In so these, imagine in these four years. Imagine now, because I agree with everything you just said. I, I think um, Trump being the outsider, drain the swamp. I, I think that through our it scared them. Uh, it, it scared them. It threw our political class into a tailspin and a, a panic. They're responding like they're in a panic, and they have been. Now what I want people to start paying attention to, so so Trump was saying a lot of things I agreed with. I said that right from the beginning. Less regulation, um, better rules for small business on taxes. He did all of those things. We saw the results. We, we saw a, a great economy get stronger and stronger. Um, and then they panicked. The, the political class wanted him out. Have you spent any time yet listening to Vivek Ramaswamy? Oh, yeah. I, I, I knew of him years ago when he yeah. had that biotech firm. Yeah. So medical firm. He is, he is saying many of the same things Trump is saying. He goes much, much further than Trump ever talked about. He is serious about eliminating completely just getting rid of the Department of Education, the EPA, the several government agencies, and he's saying it out loud. Um, he's serious about it. I, I, they, they are going to go after this guy hard. Um, he's yes. saying a lot of things a, a lot of us want to hear. The other big thing, you know, I hate to even talk about Trump. Um, I really do, because it, it not only... Like I've said so many times, I liked his policies. I hated what happened because it was just bad timing to have somebody like him, somebody who yep. taunted people and taunted the media and made up all the goofy nicknames that we all laughed about. And it was just not yep. a good time. And we can see the turmoil that it caused in our country. Now the problem is we're going to see that same turmoil in the Republican Party. But I don't think Trump has the chance that everybody thinks he has. He will lose a lot of people because he still supports the vax, heavily still supports it. And he will lose a lot of support over that. Um, I don't know really very clearly what his stance is on Ukraine, but both Ramaswamy oh, yeah, he, he and— He came out, he came out definitively, definitively. He wants peace there. He doesn't want to fund it. He wants to. He wants well, to. He wants to sit he, down and get them to the table. Yeah, he is. So you've got DeSantis, who says absolutely we shouldn't be there. Ramaswamy, the same thing. Yep. So I, I don't yep. know that a Republican could get elected right now if they're supporting Ukraine. Well, you see, that's just making everyone's head blow off in Washington because top the top four or five people out there came out against this Ukraine war. Trump, DeSantis, Reverend Swamy. The right. only two people, or three people that were in the camp is Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, and Chris Christie. 
Because Tucker, I watched Tucker the other night. He sent out questionnaires to all the potential candidates and all the candidates that, that, that already announced for presidency. Christy Nome in, in, in South Dakota. Everyone that, you, uh, that has been any buzz around. And they all responded to him, except for the, the senator from South Carolina, Tim Scott. He didn't really respond to Tucker. Yeah. which I think was a mistake. Um, but they, uh, everyone came out against the Ukraine war, and they want peace there, and they don't want, they, they want us, you know, sit down and get it all straightened out. Um, except for, like I said, uh, Mike Pence, uh, Nikki Haley, and Chris Christie, who I think is irrelevant. And, yeah. But, yeah. you know, he, he has a big mouth, and he's from New Jersey, so what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, though. You know, the the problem is where, you know, the presidential election cycle has become nonstop. I mean, we we just never stop talking about it anymore. And we'll get these, you know, primary run-ups where all of a sudden you've got 30 candidates. And as soon as the primaries start, they'll bite the dust just like all the Democrats did. It'll come down to two or three, you know, true potentials. Um, and I'm pretty sure I know who they are on the Republican side. We'll see. Right. Well, you know, I, I think that we've all, uh, most of us have fallen prey to, to the media dividing us and pointing out the failures, the, the, yeah, the, the personal uh, narcissistic failures of Trump and, and the volatility there. And they've hyperbolic that. But if you do take two steps back, like you just did, and just look at the policies without all without all the craziness around it. It was good for the country. It was excellent. And it was uh, you fantastic. Know, yeah. You know, I think I think in, in a sense, I I don't think the Eagles will let them do it. Um, the, the two men I think would would be perfect for this country would be another run with Trump with DeSantis backing him up as VP because we'd have twelve years of I think getting the country back in shape and it just in a, it, it would get back at least to center, if not maybe right of center, having Trump as a lightning rod for four years. And DeSantis knows how to pull the levers of government, gets a lot done legislatively, as you can see what he did in Florida. And, uh, you know, I just think we need that because it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, going to be crazy trying to get through the Republican primary. Well, it, it, it's no, it, it's going to look like the 2016 presidential election. It, it's just because Trump is the lightning rod. It, it, he's the wild card. Um, and now it will be in the primaries where it's going to be much, much harder fought. And who knows what, you know, combination is going to come out of this. I, I, I'm at yeah. least hopeful that there are some really strong candidates that I like a lot. I just, what what you combination know, and how is this going to shake out? Yeah, you know, DeSantis is only 48 years old. He may sit this one out. Uh, well, he's already being sued uh, by one of the Democratic PACs, I think, is suing him, claiming that he's running a pseudo-presidential campaign. Um, even though he hasn't resigned as governor. And I guess the penalty for that is a fine. That would be no big deal, but he would be eliminated from running this time if they were able to prove right. this suit. So we'll see. I kind of doubt right. that it'll go that far, but it, 
it's just going to be a, a crazy, it, we almost have two years still. I mean, it, it's, there's still a <laughs> long time. Yes, yes. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be uh, a crazy, I guess you got to start the pit again. Yeah, I'm, I, yeah, well, that, that's a whole nother issue. I, I am much, much more concerned right now about China and Russia than I am our elections. Yeah, I'm really not concerned too much with Russia. I'm concerned with them two getting together. Yes, exactly. But um, China is really the threat we have to watch. I, Russia still worries me. I, the fact that they're getting yeah. this aggressive Come on, you, you would think if we, again, we have to be careful with what we hear and see in our media. Why is there not? Let's go back to what we were talking about earlier, comparing this to, to the last really volatile time in our history during Vietnam. Yeah. During Vietnam, there was so much news footage, video. We saw it constantly, the body count on TV every single night. If we're spending right. over a hundred trillion dollars in Ukraine, we don't even get pictures of what's going on over there. What doesn't that seem odd? Oh, it's definitely odd. That's why I think there's more to this than meets the eye. But look, just take two steps back. The first meeting that the administration had with China up in Alaska, the Chinese the Chinese uh consulate or whatever they are uh, not consulate, the uh the the, the the uh, ambassador that met the Secretary of State yeah. gave him a, a moral lecture on 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 America's racism. Right. I mean, they've never they've never they've never projected any kind of strength. So, does it really surprise anyone that Russia is being so aggressive and China is really not paying attention to what what the administration is yeah. even saying anymore? It, that's what worries me. Right. That's why I'm I'm right. Those two have always been out there. We know they've always been a threat. Um, we have become so weak that not only are we worried about them, I, we're, we're starting to sound a little worried about the Mexican drug cartels. That, you know, can we really handle them on the border? Come on. We, we should well, even that to, president we, is pushing we, back. We should be able to handle the Mexican drug cartels with the National Guard on a weekend, you know, retreat. Seriously, we're worried about yeah. them. We, we could snuff them out in no time and move on. Yeah, yeah. But even you have the Mexican president pushing back. Yeah, I know. On, on the administration. Right. I mean, it just it's just, you know, I mean, I don't I don't quite understand why. <laughs> You know, and it's just, it's, they, they're just, their I, mindset on American exceptionalism is just uh, 180 oh, degrees. Yeah. 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 Hey, Fred, good stuff. Calls are piling up. I got to run along. I do have a time limit today. We're going to go to Idaho. Andrew, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate it. Hey, uh, so I made a list of stuff I want to talk to you about. I'm not sure we'll get through all of it, but. I want to give you an update. Um, got that MC active in January, and I gave you some numbers last week. But I regretfully inform you that I'm having my first negative week, and that's due to, I guess, a little bit of weather and somewhat my opinion of uh, my driver's uh, lack of ambition. Um, he, I think, 
you're probably aware of it. There was some chain laws and snowstorms coming through Oregon. He decided to shut down and then got, you know, stuck in it. Um, so had to cancel two loads, which was like $5,000. Um, pretty, pretty shitty situation, but I, I think yeah. I handled it pretty well and salvaged the relationship. But, Good. Good. Um, and then it sucks for him, too, because his check's going to be horrible, which, you know, right. makes the whole, let me pay you for what you do. So um, when there's me, so many variables involved, you know, like. Let me jump in there and address that, what you're talking about. One of the things that's going to have to shift and it, it either has to shift fast or we're going to start hearing that term bloodbath again. Drivers, owner operators, everybody in the industry that touches freight is going to have to get out of that mindset of there's so much freight and rates are so good. I get to pick and choose and I get to make statements all day long like I don't go to New York City. I don't go north of I-40 in the wintertime. Those statements are fine when freight's booming and everybody's doing great. When we are heading into what I think we're heading into, there, sh- there should never be a statement of, I don't. You've got yeah, to be well, and, and, and to, this- to do whatever you've got to do to, to make things happen. And, and you as a business uh, owner, absolutely. it can be very frustrating because you can't, we can't control that in other people. Well, that's not the issue. The issue was me as a driver, I would have driven through the snowstorm knowing that if I shut down and it take a 10, it's probably not going to be any better tomorrow. So right, I push, right. I know my abilities. I have, I'm right. very skilled in the mountains and snowstorms. But he, he called me before he shut down. And he's like, and I told him, I said, you got to drive your whole shift today to make these, lo- these three loads work. And he said, I, I can't go any further. I can't see the road. I can't, as a boss, I no. can't, I can't yeah. make the decision. And if I had pushed him and then he wrecked the truck, it would have been really bad. And double whammy, just as full disclosure, my driver is my father. So I really don't want him getting hurt, you know. Well, but I no, do know it, that if, you made the if, only... if he wrecks the truck, my insurance claim is for sure going to put me out of business. Losing $5,000 of freight, I can recover from. You made the only correct decision. When it comes to drivers and road conditions, I've always been a very strong advocate of this. You have to let the driver make that decision, always. You can't ever force them. Right, because care. even if it's safe, it, it, right. in my opinion, if his nerves are through the roof, Correct. He, right. you know, he's not going to be operating at full capacity. Right. You know? At some point... As a business owner, if you have drivers who this keeps becoming a problem, the answer is not to force them to do things they're uncomfortable with. The answer is you have to get rid of them and get a driver who isn't uncomfortable with all of these things. Yep, absolutely. You gave me a perfect segue to one of my questions uh, for you uh, a few statements back, but the economy is going down and we are getting into a, a freight situation which concerns me, not necessarily with that truck, because again, that truck is under its own authority, but my truck is leased to a carrier and I've been leased to this carrier for 10 years. I do make six figures with this carrier and I'm the driver, but I want to move my truck over to my own company. I just don't know if I should do that. And the reason why is because my truck is 1.6 million miles and the other truck is a million miles. 
and maintenance is a bit of a, a major issue. Here's what I would say. Here's how I would answer that question. I don't, I, this is one where I don't need more information. The more information I have, the, the tougher this would be. Based on so many unknowns, when I'm in a situation like this in business, I try to keep as many opportunities available as possible. Just, just what I just said, I will not start making statements like, I don't go to New York City. I don't, I'm going to do the opposite. I start looking at, I'll do whatever mm -hmm. I have to do. So I would yep. not make a decision to move a truck right now. I would, it, because you, we don't know what's going to happen with the spot market, what may happen with this carrier's freight, but we know that right now you have your hand on two opportunities. If the spot market does well, you, you've got a hand in that world. But if it doesn't, maybe your carrier has some really solid contracts that keeps your truck working. So when things are this crazy, I don't like to make big decisions and I don't like to walk away from opportunities that I already have. Good point. Yeah, and, and that makes sense too, because even if the, I, I am at least a big carrier, but I do have a lot of tight knit relationships within that organization. Right. right. Because I've been here for 2.3 million miles with no accidents, I know I can write my ticket anywhere, but I also know that they don't want to lose me as a driver. So if they start pulling back on their contract freight and whatnot, it's not going to be me that they're getting rid of, Correct. even though I am the highest paid, right. uh, you know, per contract in the company. Um, I'm not the highest earner because uh, I just don't work a lot. I think I took 12, uh, 12 <laughs> weeks off last year. Yeah, there you go. Um, and, and still broke six figures. Right. Um, and I'm home every week. But I know that they're not going to get rid of me if they hit hard times. So that's, that's why I wanted to ask you to get your unbiased opinion on it because I'm emotionally attached to it. And I can see how well the other truck is doing. I'm like, oh, wow, I could be doing that with this truck as well. Um, so, it, you know, there's – and I know it's all a numbers game. So tell me what you think about this. Right now, under my company name, both trucks, you know, they're, they're all operating on a one business account. Um, ATBS is my accounting, uh, you know, firm, and, and they do the payroll and stuff. But I'm thinking about separating and getting additional business checking account for what I do at the least carrier versus he does under my company. And because the, the numbers are getting blurry, and I'm even having this issue with profit gauges. I haven't started putting anything in from the truck that I operate because it's going to give me numbers that don't actually give me feedback, you know? Um, I don't know how I would resolve that other than just having two paid subscriptions to profit gauges. Um, because I, whether, no matter what software we use or how we set this up, there are really two ways to try to keep our expenses separate in the way you're describing this. One, we can use separate checking accounts or savings accounts or other physical bank accounts to do it, or we do it within our accounting. And there are multiple ways of, of doing it within any accounting program, including profit gauges. I've been of the belief that I'd rather not have all the complication of more accounts at a bank than what I need. Now, having said that, with the, the bank, I'm opposite. <laughs> with the bank collapse, now, I have 13 bank accounts. Yeah, see, that makes me crazy. I mean, that that my head just starts, <laughs> like I, I I don't I. 
When things get that complicated, I start freaking out. So I, I prefer to keep that nice and simple. Although I have been telling people now you need to go look at how much right. money you have in a bank account. And if you have any account anywhere with more than $250,000, you've got to start splitting it up to make sure we're protected with this, the, the bank failures possibly happening. So either way, really, it, it would come down to whatever you're more comfortable with. I'm more comfortable with doing it within okay. my own accounting. If you're more comfortable with having multiple accounts, there's no real downside to either one. Okay. Yeah, I, I like the multiple bank accounts because I print out the bank statements, I get out the highlighters, I go line by line, and it just makes all the data entry and the, and the, the information that I'm getting more absorbable to, you know, what my thought process is. So that, that works for me, but there's there's a, there's something in all of this data keeping that, that's kind of tricking me up a little bit, and it's maintenance. I choose at my, at the, with what the truck that I do, and it's leased to the carrier, they allow me to save out of my settlement up to 20 cents a mile, which I max out. And they hold on to it. I don't like that. So when it gets to five or 10 grand, I withdraw all the money and start over again. I put it in my business account. Um, so on my other truck that's under my own authority, I do 30 cents a mile. That's figured into um, my, my operating cost per mile. Yeah, it should be. Which is $1.75. It shouldn't be. Okay, well, that's, that's where it confuses me. So when I say my truck costs me $1.75 a mile to operate, I'm including the, the driver's pay, taxes, uh, what, what, what I'm you know, prepared to save for taxes, and what I'm prepared to save for maintenance, and I so, separate those into other accounts. Yeah, so everything you first, the said, reason everything you first said was fine, including taxes, as long as you're really prepaying them and it's a true amount, then that's all fine because those are real expenses. The mistake with maintenance is you don't know what that expense is going to be. See, taxes, if we have a good accounting system, we know what our tax liabilities are ahead of time. If we have payroll, we know what those payroll taxes are ahead of time. We can estimate our own income tax so that we know ahead of time. So that's an accurate number. But maintenance you have no idea. You don't know if maintenance is going to be $100,000 or if it's going to be $20,000. So when you start putting money aside, you can never call that maintenance. That's still your money. We call that retained earnings. If once you actually spend okay. it on maintenance, then it becomes a true expense. Well, yeah, I, under, I understand that. So I'm not putting that. So obviously, profit gauges isn't doesn't give a shit about my dollar seventy five uh, number. That's just a number for me to help me negotiate rates to know that okay, right. I'm going to make you know twenty five cent a mile in profit to this. There's going to be thirty cent a mile that I can move over to the maintenance account. Yeah. There's going to be this much money for taxes. There's going to be this much money in this account for the driver's pay, and then there's the account the. the main account, which everything gets deposited into, which has those profits and whatever left in it. I don't take any money from what the other truck is doing because I'm trying to build. Yeah. So it's just no, sitting there, good. sitting there, sitting there. Right. So yeah, if maintenance went over, I don't know what maintenance is going to be. 
I do on my truck because I've been in it for 1.6 million miles and I can kind of, Oh yeah. You know, uh, right. I, I, yeah. I can kind of look at the history, but with the other truck, I have no history. So I, I just said, okay, I want to do 30 cent a mile. And that just helps me negotiate a rate that's all inclusive to what my company needs. Right. Um, and at the end of the, you know, when I go through the month and I have expenses, maintenance expenses, I'm doing the highlight on the bank statement. I put in profit gauges. It tells me how much I spent that much. Uh, that month on maintenance, you know, right. and then at the end of the year, let's just say you saved 40,000 for maintenance through that method, but you only spent 20. Well, that just means your business has a surplus of 20,000 that would go in the profit column. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, so just to get clarity to, uh, to my main question about that was it is that 30 cent a mile that I'm setting aside for maintenance is still considered uh, net until I actually spend it. That's correct. And then the dollar amount that I spent is a deduction or a write-off, and the difference between would be a net profit to the company. That's correct. Yep. Okay, I, I, I think because of the way that I'm doing it, profit gauges is like giving me a little bit of a hard time because everybody says, oh, so easy, and, and I just haven't gotten to the, the, to the point where I hit the easy button yet. Um, because I'm not including the stuff of the contract that I'm under. Yeah, so again, we have a category in profit gauges called retained earnings. And it's a way to use, you use retained earnings to balance these types of issues. We're going to set this money aside so that we have a maintenance reserve, but it's not maintenance yet. It's still our money. It is retained earnings. We earned it. We're going to retain it. And then at some point, we may spend it on maintenance. So it allows us to kind of park that money in retained earnings. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. So thanks for correcting the term. Um, <laughs> my, when my, my wife, when we got the authority, she started helping me out a lot with things and she's like inventing words yeah. to, and I'm like, I, no, that's I, not I, how you do it. There's already terms for this. I, you need to learn instead of you trying to change the industry with your terms, you just need to adapt to the industry yeah. and under and learn the terms. And it'd be so much easier that way. So yeah. I appreciate that correction. Well, well Tom, um, it's kind of funny. I'm, I'm <laughs> laughing at myself here. Tell her I did the exact same thing in the beginning. I just used to yeah. make up my own terms. I'm like, wait a minute, this is getting really confusing. Maybe I should, should actually learn what this is called. Yeah. She tried to change deadhead uh, to, uh, in, uh, to, um, uh, unloaded miles, and I'm like, there's already a term for it. Just use deadhead. <laughs> like this, this is industry industry wide. Everyone will know what you're talking about if you say deadhead. Right. And they're gonna look at you like you don't know what you're talking about when you're saying unloaded miles. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I had something else for you. Um, I doubt you would remember, but a year and a half ago, I sent a guy your direction uh, by email. Um, Ketobrick.com. I don't know if you've heard of this. Um. This guy is awesome. He's a ketogenic bodybuilder. He is as solid as a, as a guy as you can meet. He is um, all about nutrition and life and wellness. And he sent out a video asking his followers to uh, see if, if we knew anybody who could, you know, uh, carry his bricks. It's a meal replacement in ketogenic macro um you can look it up right now, ketobrick.com. Um, I sent him your way because you have that online store, and um, 
I don't know if it ever went anywhere or not, but I know if you're looking for products to carry in your store and you want to reach out to him, I know he's open-minded about it. I, I can tell you that he is so strict about his ingredients and the quality of them and stuff that he threw out a $30,000 batch because it was a little off. And when I called him and said, no, why would you do that? You could have donated that to like a homeless shelter or, you know, you know, something like that. And he says, I'm not going to put out an inferior product that I know is not up to stand to my, my, my standards. So just to give you that insight, you know, um, it, it is a product. I eat it every day. Um, I actually advertise this company on the side of my semis and he sends me my, you know, the food for free, um, which is pretty cool. It's been happening for about a year and a half now, but, uh, all orga- organic ingredients, I'm not quite sure how, you know, how much care you have in that, but it is minimal ingredients, minimally processed, it's shelf-stable, which is what I like about it, a ton of flavor options. Uh, do you remember ever having an email chain with them? Yeah, I, I, well, I didn't have an email chain because when I looked at the products, I'm just not a big fan of them. And it's not that they're bad, it just doesn't fit our model. And I, I am not a believer in, in added protein with whey powders. And that's, that's mm. the whole basis of this food. It, it's, a, it's, it's whey yeah. powder. I mean, that, that's, it's, that's the second ingredient. And I just don't like that whole approach. Now, I, I could see me looking through some of these and finding the cleanest. He has a bunch of different recipes and there's some guar gum in here and some other stuff I'm not totally wild about. I could see that I might buy some of these and throw them in my get home bags as true emergency food. They're kind of high calorie, high energy density. What I don't want, though, is if we put them in the store, people start eating these things as like meal replacements. I, so I'm not a fan yeah. of, of whey proteins at all, and I'm not a fan of meal replacement. You know, on, a, on like a keto or a carnivore diet, we eat so little that I don't want to be replacing the real food with bars and smoothies. It, and there are a lot of people that yeah, that's you, their approach, and it, it's just not mine. Right. Okay. Yeah. And I, I kind of figured that's where, why I never heard you mention it over the last year, year and a half. I do use them around the holidays uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it'll melt down pretty easily. And I put them in silicone molds that are much smaller. And then I take them to parties uh, when we go to yeah. like Christmas parties and things like that they, to keep me away from all the other garbage. I got a little Ziploc bag or a little, you know, container that I can snack know. on those. And it, it does the trick for sure. You know what you just described? Um, I do eat one we, every day. But I'm, we used to call fat bombs. We haven't talked about them in a long time, but that, that, would, right. that would be a fat bomb. Because basically, I said these are based in whey protein. The, the true base is coconut oil and coconut fat. Then we put in the whey protein. So the, when you make those little smaller versions... Those are what we would call fat bombs, and we would say, especially in the beginning when you still have kind of that crazy appetite and you're used to snacking all the time, we would say just, just yep. you know, drop a fat bomb. Um, that's where, you know, the, the nut butters that we carry in our store, they're called fat bomb. I mean, that was what they named their nut right. butters. 
But the idea of a whole bar of this at replacing meals, and I, I stay away from that kind of stuff with drivers because it makes it too easy for them to start doing that yep. on the road instead of learning how to pressure can your own meat and your own meals. So we have really tried to stay very true to the real food, nutrient-dense way of doing this. And, and that's what I was about to say. That, that just shows the loyalty that you have to, the, to your own words that you speak and what you preach is that it's not a bad product. It just doesn't fit your right. message right. to your audience. And, and that totally makes sense. The, the reason why it works for him and why he sells out almost every, pretty much every month is because his following is bodybuilders where they're counting every calorie, every right. gram of everything. When you melt them down, you can really separate that and target in those macronutrients and stuff. And, um, you know, I, I don't get into, uh, in, into that. I eat and, in, in, you know, if I'm hungry and I'm stopped when I'm full for the most part, if it's really good, I'll overeat. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, I'm never scared of that because I'm eating things that I know are, you know, single ingredient, you know, whole, whole food, I, with the exception of that brick. I, I could almost, I could almost say that for some people, you could kind of use that brick as a replacement for NDK coffee. You know, NDK coffee mm -hmm. is kind of my big fat bomb to start the day, and it's how I get some of my nutrients and my vitamin D and. You know, if I'm going to use a, a mushroom powder or a collagen, I can throw it in the coffee. It, and I, I love that part of my day. It's like a ritual and I really enjoy it. If I were to then say, because that kind of takes me till later in the afternoon before I'm even hungry. If the first time I was hungry, I grabbed one of these bars, I might not eat any food that day. Well, do you eat the whole the whole thing, yeah, because it's a thousand calories. Sometimes you got to right. split it up and eat it over several right. days, so, you know, which is what a lot of people will do. Yeah, so because I'm already doing kind of that big fat bomb in the morning, I I'm only eating one meal a day most days, and it's mostly carnivore, and then some lighter snacks later in the evening. I I, I don't. I I almost have to be careful. I'm not eating enough to get all the nutrients I need already. Right. Hey, do you know uh, why I I did fat, fat coffees? I call them fat coffee. You call them NDK coffee. Same thing. Um, uh, I, I did it for years, and then I kind of backed off of it, switched to black coffee, and then I go back to it. And then recently, a few months ago, I went back to it, and I found zero satiation out of the fat I coffees. I, I um, don't know why. That out of nowhere. Do you I, know why that would be? I I don't. You know, some people claim that you know, carnivore is so satiating because of all the protein. I don't find that to be true. If I eat lean protein, I am hungry all the time. I have to eat fatty protein. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's a more of a, a personal, you know, issue. And it, it can even change. Like you said, for you, it changed. Hey, Andrew, I'm looking at the clock and the calls here. I got to move along. Um, I've been kind of long winded today. Let's go to uh, Missouri. Cole, welcome to the program. Hi, Kevin. Can you hear me okay? I can. What can I help you with today? Uh, I was hoping to pick your brain on some uh, fuel mileage and uh, cost-cutting things in this marketplace. We're having to uh, cut costs wherever we can to stay alive. Yeah, yeah. Um, do, uh, specifically, what I was looking at doing was switching a couple of my trucks to super singles. 
or I guess they're calling them wide base singles now. Um, what are your thoughts on that? And do you have any numbers on what you've seen as far as savings on that? So we, we, we've got to be careful. I've got to clarify this. So when it comes to tires, just tires of any kind, any shape, any size, any configuration, the issue that we look at in fuel economy is what we call rolling resistance. How much resistance does right. that tire create against the road surface? So the industry being lazy uh, made this claim that wide base singles were more fuel efficient. Well, that's an untrue claim because not every wide base single gets better fuel economy than every traditional single. So you can't make that claim, but we do. And it, it's just lazy thinking. No matter what kind of right. tire change we are looking at making, the only way to know what the savings are is to look at each individual tire specifically, what its rolling resistance is, and then what tire we're looking at replacing it with. You, I, I, we may say that wide base singles get better fuel economy, but you may already have a, a dual type tire that's really low. We, we may not be able to gain. You, you may go backwards. I've seen people get rid of a, a, you know, a traditional single, go to a wide base single and go backwards on fuel economy. It, it all comes down to rolling resistance, nothing else. Now, having said that, okay. I, there are two things I look for when I look for tires. Rolling resistance is number one. I do want the lowest rolling resistance I can get because fuel is a big cost. And I've done the numbers and I've done the math many times. That's my approach. Then I might look at, right. you know, what tire for steer tires, for example, I, I have made the claim. I'm not going to worry about three or four or five points difference. I may not even worry about 10 points difference on a steer tire. Most of them are low enough. I'm just looking for the steer tire that handles well, wears properly in my operation, that kind of thing. I do like wide singles. So I will always go to wide singles when I can, making sure I still have the lowest rolling resistance possible. I like them for their handling, the ease of airing them up. We're not dealing with that inside dual. There's just the, the weight savings. To me, there's a lot of advantages to wide single and no real downside. But the fuel economy always comes right. down to that rolling resistance number. Okay. The other thing, um, I guess I should have explained, I, I run a flatbed operation. We have all uh, spread axle. Uh, and uh, ha have you had any feedback on a spread axle being hard on, I mean, spread axle is hard on any tire, but tons. is it overly tons hard on the singles more so than? No. Okay. No, it, it's hard on them. And some models of tires will handle that better than others. So we, we look at that, okay. you know, talk to people that this changes as they bring out new models. So yes, the spread axles are hard on wide base singles, but you said it yourself, spread axles are hard on all tires. There's a scrubbing effect that right. happens there and there's not much we can do about that. So it, it will happen to a wide right. single. Some people will tell you it happens worse. Um, that's not necessarily true either. It comes down to each individual tire model. Well, and Kevin, I think um, it comes down to the tire quality. I, for years, I've been a big fan of Michelin's. They seem to perform better than any other brand tire, and that's the brand I was going to go for in I, the I agree. wide base single. Yeah. 
I, I agree. I, I've been a um, huge fan of Michelin because I think they have been significantly better than many other tire brands for decades. Okay. So if you had to just try to get a, uh, an idea from somebody that's done the research, I think you've pretty much done it or at least heard people that have done it. Uh, what would you think you might see in gains by going from truck and trailer both at the same time? From, from duals to wide base. A good, a, let's, let's just use the highest quality Michelin rolling resistance tire we can get in both positions. So then what tire am I coming from? Uh, one tire is a Continental, the other one's a, uh, on the drive, and the other What's one's that? a... Uh, yeah, I'm going to ask you for the magic uh, number. Remember, without, right? without the magic number, I could never answer this question. The, the roller resistance. That's it. That, that's all this is. It's math, okay. hey, and we have to have that number. Where Where would you find those numbers? I, the company's I, website. I've been on the Michelin site quite a bit. I I couldn't find an actual number. They just say best rolling resistance of the class or whatever. Where There's Michelin some place a, you might go to find the actual Mi- number. Michelin has a calculator. I helped write it. Oh, okay. Awesome. Yeah, go look up Off the, Michelin go, go truck tire calculator. That will probably, if you do a search for that, you should get a pretty good link. And, and the way it works, and, and we don't use a raw number as much as we used to in this new calculator. We helped them write this new calculator several years ago. What we do is more of a comparison instead of a raw number. The raw number was starting to confuse okay. people and then... Yokohama came out and started testing tires, but they were using a different scale and it started to get confusing. So we wrote it to kind of simplify it where you just go in, choose the model of tire you currently have, and then choose other tires and it will tell you whether you're going to see an improvement or if it's going to get worse. Oh, okay. Awesome. I'll have to look that up. Okay. uh, If you got some time, we'd go through a few other uh, items that I was looking at doing. Besides tires, uh, I thought I heard you mention once on the show that you've you've seen people go from or do the flow below kit with the wheel covers and see. I want to say you said six tenths of a mile per gallon. Was that what I heard? Uh, if I said six tenths, I would have been talking about somebody who specifically reported that back to me because I don't use that okay. as, as kind of, you know, sales or informational. I would never make that claim that you're going to get six tenths. So if I said it, and, and I'm not disputing that I said it, I may have, I would have only said it if I was reporting back real numbers that somebody reported to me. I normally tell people look for, okay, would, for about half that. Okay. Is that what you would think you might see if you did the whole wheel cover and, yes. and uh, that's what blow I, kit. That, that's what I would, I, I, I refer to it as that's what I would budget for. So when I'm looking at making a fuel right. mileage improvement, how much money am I spending? When do I think I'll break even and, and what will be my payback on this? I would be using a number more like three tenths to make those calculations. I gotcha. Okay. Um, would it have now see the good thing about flatbed operation is we always stay with the same trailer um, so uh would it have any effect i guess maybe similar effect to put the wheel covers on the trailer it, absolutely and also the okay. trailer when we were talking about rolling resistance earlier 
the trailer has the biggest impact on fuel economy when it comes to rolling resistance. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of, uh, that's, uh, that's kind of why I was looking at doing it. I need to change um, trailer tires on one of my flatbeds anyway, and so that's kind of a no-brainer. Um, currently, I have a uh, 386 Peterbilt. That's a glider. It's got a cat in it. Um, and it does not have the, it was funny, just the other day you talked to another guy with a 386 Peterbilt, and it's very similar, but uh, I don't have the, the tank uh, fairings. Okay. I can't remember what you told him. What, what might you look for to, to save if you had the tank? I don't think I'm going to put them on this truck, but I might buy another 386, and I might look for one that has the, um, the fairings already on it. You know what I mean? So we have enough proof to know that fairings can save us up to four-tenths. Different trucks, different designs, there's some variation in there. But it's, it's up to four-tenths. The fleets got away from them mostly because their drivers tore them up too much. They're expensive. Uh, it's a three or $4,000 option on a new truck. Um, then you tear them up and they can be thousands of dollars to repair them, replace them, paint them. Um, and fleets just right. started saying, it, it, we're, we're just not sure we're saving any money with this. I've always said as an owner operator, if you're banging these things up, maybe you need a new business. Um, they save money. We should have them on there. Right. Well, but then you got the looks, the looks thing. What does that mean? I know you don't believe in that much. But. <laughs> much? Not at all. If somebody, if somebody could prove to me that a chartreuse truck with bright green tires got better fuel economy, I'd be okay with it. Well, you know that uh, chrome stacks and visor and polished tanks get better fuel economy, right? <laughs> of course, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so um, looks are not part of the equation at all. It's just never been important what that vehicle looks like. Now, I don't want it to look like, I, I want it to look respectable, meaning that it's clean, it's not broken down, it's not ragged, it, it's, it should be solid and safe and look like it's solid and safe. But other than that, looks have never been a factor. Right. Hey, uh, a little bit different topic along the same, uh, same lines, I guess. <laughs> I, I didn't catch your open. I caught the tail end of your open. Um, and so this is an odd thing to ask, considering what you're just talking about. But um, what about expansion? I'm, I'm, I've, you no, know, I'm, not no, but hell I, no. I, uh, <laughs> Now, let me... I got nothing better to do but expand, though. No, you do have something better to do. Plan your expansion and then replan it and then plan it again and then wait. I'm not saying you should never expand. So get as prepared as you possibly can and then go get prepared again and wait. We're just not at the time yet. We're not far and there is going to be some big opportunities. So I'm not trying to discourage you at all. I'm just saying don't don't pull the trigger on anything yet. Gotcha. Um, and, and trust yeah, me, the, uh, I, I, one one thing it, I've real business wise, I'm sitting in the same boat. I I have projects that I let drag out too long, and I had too many things going on, and and then my travel last year and and the shakeup with XM I, it threw us into a tailspin. 
So I'm looking around now at, do I shelf these projects? Do I invest more money in them to get them to the finish line? I have new ideas all the time. I am, it's everything I can do every day not to to pull the trigger on things. But I just know it's bad timing. That's business-wise. Personal-wise, I'm dealing with the same thing. I want to buy real estate so bad right now. I'm watching prices come down on properties I've had my eyes on for years. And I have to keep reminding myself, mm-hmm. we're, we're nowhere near the bottom yet. Right. Yeah, that's, 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 that's probably good advice. I kind of the same way with trucks. I looking at trucks and I'm like, oh my gosh, things are cheap. But no, I guess they're not. Probably not they're not that cheap. They're not yet. Right. We, <laughs> they look we, cheap compared to the last few years. That's, that's what we have to, and I'm looking at the same thing. I'm, I was looking at real estate going, oh, look at how cheap it got. And then I thought, no, wait a minute, go back and compare it to just four or five years ago and then look and see if it's cheap. And it's not, it's outrageously expensive still. Right. But again, how much, how much has inflation made that go up? So is it really more value or is it just more dollars associated well, it, with that value? Doesn't matter because both of those are going to change. Inflation will come down. It has to. And if it doesn't, when I say it has to, that's not true. We could screw this up bad enough that we could see rampant <laughs> runaway inflation like, you know, Venezuela and some other countries have gone through. Um, but if that's the case, then we're all screwed. I mean, seriously, I, there, there's almost nothing you can do to protect yourself against something like that happening. But I don't think right. that's going to happen. So, you know, we, we want to make sure yeah. we're making good financial decisions. Hey, hey Cole, I just uh, got to keep an eye on the clock in my calls here. Uh, I, like I said, I'm just long-winded today. Good calls, good topics, uh, but I got to move along. Sarah, welcome. So business, Shark Tank, somebody comes in, makes a pitch, and either they don't like the product and they pick it apart and send the guy out, or they like the product and they get to the numbers. Either they don't like the numbers and they pick them apart and kick them out, (laughs) or they start to make And when they start to make offers, they always, if it's not food-related or service-related, if it's a material-based product, they almost always has immediately jumped to, we can make this cheaper over in China. Yep. And after seeing that over and over again, that really turned me off to the show. But the guy, Captain Cleary, comes back into my, into my atmosphere in the last couple of months on Fox News. A couple of weeks ago, when scam bankman fraud was in the news, they interviewed Kevin because... He had been a spokesperson for them and apparently compensated heavily with their stock and lost a bunch of money. Right. And his, when he came on as a commentator, his comment was basically like, I'm so disappointed. I asked him, where's the money? And he didn't have an answer. And then this morning, he's apparently heavily invested through, was heavily invested through the Silicon Valley Bank. Right. And they brought him on the news and asked him about it. And he said, well, they were idiots and they were running it for me. So my question is, why, <laughs> if you have no faith in these people, why was he so heavily invested through them? You know, 
That's all I got. Well, and let me try to answer that because I thought about the exact same thing. I watched both of those same two interviews and my thought was the same thing. How, how did you get so sucked in? Here's the only answer. You don't create what Kevin O'Leary has created by not understanding money, business, finance. You've got to be intelligent. Uh, That took a lot of experience. I mean, the guy is, is impressive. No doubt about it. What I think happened, I think when you get to the point where you start talking about billions, and if you watch him, you know what his personality is. It, it, it is it, it's not that he wants another billion dollars because of what it will buy him. He wants another billion dollars because it's a scorecard for him. It's, it's just about right. winning the numbers, having more. That, that's all it is for him anymore. And I think when you get to that point and you're, you're using the B word, I think you start making really risky investments like this. I, because, look, he can lose all of that money. And is it going to change his lifestyle? No. Not at all. Not at all. He'll still buy, no. he'll still buy $5,000 bottles of wine. He'll still have a yacht. He'll still have multiple houses. He can have huge losses and it will never change his lifestyle. And he's willing to take those risks to, to hit those big numbers because it's a big game for him. And maybe the possibility of them being re- idiots and throwing it under gives him a negative to put in the column. So he yeah. doesn't, I don't know. Yeah. You know, so, and look, those things paid off. It, you know, we only look at, oh my God, he was with, you know, Bankman freed and he got killed. What an idiot. Oh my God. He was also a Silicon Valley bank. He got killed. What an idiot. Let's go look historically on how much money he might have made with both of those and 20 others we may never hear about. Right. Okay. I got to go, but thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's see. We've got a little bit of time left. We've got some calls on the line, so we'll keep rolling here. We're going to head off to Iowa. Brandy, welcome. Thanks, Kevin. Um, Speaking of Kevin O'Leary, he was on Tucker Carlson as an actual interview. It was very good. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't watched that one. It's really good. He talks about that uh, cryptocurrency scandal and kind of why he got invested in it and might actually uh, go up with Sarah was saying. Uh, reading or listening to an audiobook called um, Bunker by Bradley Garrett and the narrator's Andy Sims. Very good. He, he goes to these places where bunkers are at, why they were built, and even goes illegally to some of those places. So, really good. What, and what um, I go to bunkers? California a lot. The kind for prepping or prep, yeah, as a well, prepper like, or for, for mass prepping. Oh, so even for like individuals, like, you know, in the 50s and 60s, we were building nuclear fallout shelters. Yeah. Talking about a, okay. Or, and I didn't know when you say going to these bunkers and going to them illegally, like individuals? Um, There's, so the one that I'm on right now is there's this guy named, I think his last name is Poland, and he built a bunker in Tasmania. And um, I guess the guy died, and they wanted to find it to put it in the book. 
and they went there and they had signs saying this is private property or oh, you know, okay. and they did it anyway got it, got it. And, okay and I, that that kind of thing and then the stories of why they built them and what they were going to do with them it's just fascinating stuff it's just more than just about bunkers it's about the people and yeah. everything that goes into building it and i just thought it'd be really good yeah okay um, for and then uh, I go to California a lot. I know you were there just yet. Have you noticed how many Teslas are there? I, I mentioned that. Teslas for sure. Te- Tesla, I made the comment that there are as many Teslas in California as there are Subarus in Oregon. And then not just Teslas, but primarily Teslas. But I saw a ton of other electric cars. I mean, it's pretty obvious to pick out most electric models, the Volkswagen, I think it's called the ID4, somebody said yesterday. Uh, the the E-Mustang, I saw a ton of those. I saw a lot of Rivian um, pickup trucks. I think I even saw a Rivian SUV and I didn't even know they had one. Uh, what else did I well, see? I have, I have a different angle on, on where I wanted to go with that. The angle is, all these cars look alike. What if they were all in a parking lot? How would you know which one is yours? And there was a story on my Google feed. Well, why I'm bringing l- this up. let me. That somebody actually. Yeah, let me address that though. Um, forget electric cars. How many models of cars now all look the same? Like four door sedans, midsize. It's hard to tell a Kia from a BMW sometimes. It's hard to tell a Hyundai from an Audi. Um, that's been going on forever and ever. And yes, the electric vehicles have a certain look and they all kind of copy each other. Their aerodynamics are smoother because they're not, you know, they don't have to build around big engines and cooling systems. And so, yeah, that's happening somewhat. Um, You know, I, I hope you were asking the question, how do you know which one's yours tongue in cheek? Come on. I mean, really, if, well, if this is there, a pro- no, well, if this is a problem, hold on. Hold there's on. more to if that. This, than- if this is a problem for human beings, the, the asteroid can't come soon enough. <laughs> the thing, it, it was a Google feed. This is why I brought it to your attention. Somebody got in the wrong car because it looks so, just like their car. Look, they're, they're, and they're, not- did, have, have you ever been to the Hoover Dam? I've been over it. Yeah, I've never been. Yeah, to it. take the, take uh, take visit. the yeah. take the tour. And there are there are other examples of this. We could go to uh, coal mining towns in West Virginia. There are stories that they built houses so fast and they all looked the same. There were always stories of some guy coming home when he left in the morning. His was the last house on the left. And when he came home that night, he went into the last house on the left, but they had built a new one that day. So so I'm sure there's some story of somebody managing to get into the wrong car. But my God, if that's our biggest problem and we can't figure out how to solve it, like I said, the asteroid can't come soon enough. (laughs) I just thought it was funny. It is funny. I I hope we're not serious about it. Yeah, well, I just... I, every car looks alike down there, and it's like, how does everybody know what's? But that, but there? again, like, that's okay. not any different than all the internal combustion engine cars. Well, I, I, evidently, my eye is just picking up all on all the Teslas that just 
they're all white, they're all black. They all have the same body style. It's like if they were all in the same mall Brandy, or parking lot Brand, and Brandy, like, which one is mine? Brandy. Yeah. Every car manufacturer has yeah. a certain number of models of cars and that model is going to be exactly the same. Then they have a certain number of colors. The only difference here is Tesla doesn't have 32 different models and 127 different colors. Yeah. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. something I think about when I'm... No, I don't... <laughs> but again, but I it, it, like, it, here, here's, all... here's one really easy way. The remote fob. You know, and, and you might laugh about this, but I travel a lot and I used to... I, I used to get a lot of rental cars and it's not, it wouldn't be unusual for me. My mind's on 37 different things. I've got a presentation to give when I'm traveling. I got events to get to. There have been times where I forget what kind of car I have, much less what color it was. And I have to walk through the parking lot, hitting the key fob till something beeps. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah. So, but it, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, the Teslas look pretty similar and a lot of the other electric cars kind of copied a bunch of things on that look like Teslas and but that's been going on with cars forever. Yeah. Well, that's that's everything I wanted to bring to it. There's obviously a good pile on your uh, your opening, but <laughs> I wanted to give you something something different there than you what go. you've been talking about. There you go. Uh, Thank you. That's what I did this for. All right. Yeah. Good stuff. You're Thanks for the call. Let's go to Iowa. Steve, welcome to the program. Oop, let me try that again. All right, Steve. Hello. There we go. What's on your mind today? I recently got some Cardio Miracle and Light Balance, um, and I, I mixed the two together to make one drink out of it. Okay. Uh, when I take my eat drink, it messes with my sleep. So my question was, is can I mix that ahead of time? I thought I heard sometime somewhere... Um, that you didn't recommend mixing it ahead of time. Mm. So like for my evening drink, can I mix it ahead of time, bring it with me, and then have it, Yes. you know, a few hours before I Yes. Yeah, that won't hurt anything. There okay. may have been a specific call where I was addressing some specific nutrient or, but yeah, there wouldn't be a problem mixing those ahead of time. Now, we're not talking about two weeks ahead okay. of time. You're just talking about that morning, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now that'd be fine. All right. That's all. Oh, well, that was easy. All right. Thanks for the call. Um, I will hang out just about two more minutes um, and maybe grab one or two more calls, or I will wrap this up and we will get ready for Rolling Toe coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, let's see. I had a bunch of stuff I was going to talk about this morning. I don't really have a lot of time. Let me scroll back through there and see if there was anything. Now, I didn't really have a lot of time to read these this morning. I think I've got some pretty, uh, pretty interesting stuff here, but I didn't have time to get into it. I see there is another attempt, uh, and it's actually a bipartisan attempt. It's, uh, we have one Republican and one Democrat reintroducing. Uh, I'd love to see this pass, the repealing the, oh shoot, why am I drawing a blank on the name? The, uh, oh, the federal excise tax, the FET on trucks, that 12%, I hate that tax. I wish that would just go away. Uh, we do have a bill in the House 
that could end that. I'm going to do a little more digging on that and see what I can come up with. We do have a call coming in, so uh, I'll hang out here for just a minute. What were some of the other things I was looking at here? There is a Department of Labor nominee uh, in the Biden administration. Uh, Julie Su is being nominated as Secretary of Labor. Uh, she is a big, big proponent of AB5 type laws. We should pay attention to that. Remember, Elections have consequences. Uh, if we were to see an AB5 type law, it would throw the entire trucking industry into a huge tailspin. Can't even imagine. It's already creating enough issues in California. Let's, um, let's grab this call here. Terrence in South Carolina, welcome. Hey, what's up, Kevin? What's up? I don't know. You might have touched on it. I know you did a little bit, but that guy with the tires, he was thinking about changing. Yeah. I mean, he's got a, you, the rims and all. I mean, you're talking thousands and thousands of dollars. And like you, I'm pretty sure you said this right, right now is not the, the time to do it. And even if you did, you got to get all, you know, your rims off. And I mean, this the late, I mean, yeah. you're talking 10, 10, 20,000, $10, $50,000 easily. Yeah. It, you know, and I've always said, buy the rims used. Don't buy new rims. There's always a deal out there on rims somewhere so you can cut your cost down there. Right. The tire itself is going to be expensive. So yeah, it, it, there could be a savings here, but you've got to run all the numbers. And, and unfortunately, the industry just he didn't have to, them, yeah. to make this wild claim. Oh yeah. Wide singles get better fuel economy. Better than what? Which wide single? I, I hate when we make stupid statements like that. Uh, quick thing on, on the Garmin watch, all well, the app. I don't know. You probably know about it, but I don't know. Maybe other people aren't aware of it. Like if you go to the app that's on your phone and like you want to look at your, like your sleep time and you go down to the, to the graph, if you hold your finger on the graph, it'll, a, a, a pop-up will come up. And you could slide that across to all, like if you have a spike in and, and um, uh, say rest or whatever, you slide it over there. It'll tell you the time it was. So you could correspond and look between two, your HRV and all that. If you just hold your finger on that graph and slide it back and forth, you get every, you know, oh, tick yeah. of that. It'll tell you what it is. No, that's a great. I'm, so I'm not sure a lot of people. I, that's a great. Yeah, point. I just found out about it myself. And I was like, because I'm going, oh, wow. Right. So I looked and, oh, my HRV. And like last, I went up, I went to Nashville last weekend. Well, it, for like four days, drank like a fish, ate stuff I should have <laughs> had a great time. I needed it. Right. I haven't been on vacation. And I came back and I started right away. I didn't, I didn't do my cardio miracle when I was there. I didn't do any of my coffee. I didn't do any of my Rishi. I've been back. I started Monday and within two days, my HRV was back and with the Rishi and all that, my rest. But Isn't it crazy how it's fast a good way to check it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's amazing. I'll let you go. I just want to let everyone know about that thing about the app, though. It's amazing. So you could pinpoint that, specific things to each, each. Like if you eat something, you can see it, too. And then you know what time you ate, and you can see what it did to you. Yeah, right down to the minute. All right. It, it will tell you at 12.03 right a.m. Yeah, great, great tip. All right, we're going to wrap this up. I am going to get uh, the show started for Mike and Kevin Beckett. Rolling Toe is right around the corner. Stick around. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.